Hello everybody, welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study, First Baptist Church of Fruitvale, Texas. I'm glad that you're all here with us. Um, uh, we'll start seeing some people jump on here in a second. Give a few minutes for everybody to kind of get yourself acclimated. Um, and uh, we know we've got a few people on there already. Um, if you're online tonight, go ahead and um, you know give us a like or a thumbs up or a, a, a heart or something. Check in, put your name in there in the comments. And uh, we'll get into our Bible study here in a moment and uh, and just jump, jump right in. Um, as I've said every time, um, it's important for us to stay connected even when we're apart. And I know this is not normal. But Sunday, uh, we'll be meeting at the church again. Um, and so and you utilize your conscience as far as you know how much you... Uh, if you want to you want to be there or not for that and uh, but we will be there meeting in the building and excited looking forward to that looking forward to seeing actual people's faces again um, instead of just the camera lens but uh, tonight we're going to jump into uh, Acts chapter 11 um, but before we do that let's go to the Lord in prayer Father we love you we thank you for your love and your mercy uh, thank you for your book that you gave us called the Bible we thank you for these stories in Jesus name Amen. Uh, tonight I wanted to do a little bit of a recap, and then we're going to jump into chapter 11. Um, I'm going to get down to, oh, about halfway through chapter 11 tonight, probably, um, just because the story kind of takes a different shift and turns um, a little different corner. But it'd be a good stop in place there about halfway through um, the, the chapter. But if you remember where we left off our story was that uh, Peter had been summoned um, from Joppa to uh, Caesarea by um, Cornelius, who was a member of the Italian cohort, a Roman soldier. Um, he was a devout man, worshipped God, uh, prayed, and uh, did a lot of good things. He was a good man. We're going to find out in this next part of the, of the text, even good men still need to be saved. And when we look into this text, where we've left it, that Peter had just you know called for their baptism. He says... Uh, at the very end there, this is, Then Peter responded in verse 46 and then 47, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Now that's important, that just as we have part. That's going to come up again. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they asked him to stay for a few days. And as we said last week, I'm sure that he did. Now, let's pick up in verse 11. Again, I've always tell you, grab something to write with, something to write on. Um, to take down some notes, I'll give you a few points tonight that you might want to jot down for some further study. Verse 11, or Chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now stop for just a second. Because if you think that it was big news when the Jews received the Spirit and people started being healed and all of this stuff started happening, you think that was big news Wait till the Gentiles start receiving the Holy Spirit and doing all these things because they were not known as faithful people. I mean, the, the, especially by the Jews. Um, the Jews were the ones that the, the promises, the oracles of God were given to. I mean, if, if you would have told people of the day the Jews you know, are blessed and favored by God, of course they were. Everybody would say, of course they were. But now the Gentiles are coming into the picture, verse 2. And when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Now, if you're a note taker, I would jot this in your notes. The circumcision party equals the Jews. Okay? 
And um, all of these guys at this point in time, you have to remember, all of the people that were saved uh, and following Jesus at this point, up to this point, were Jews. And they were still devout Jews. Now, we're going to see this again. I'll, I'll point this out in a second, but I want to throw it out there so you can be looking for it. We're going to see, as we talked a couple of weeks ago, Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, he had been saved. He was a believer. He had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was still doing his Jewish ritual. Um, he was still performing his Jewish faith, but just in completion and understanding that it wasn't looking, still looking ahead to the Messiah, but that the Messiah had come. Here's what they said. The circumcision party criticized them, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, that's important. He's going to defend that here. Now, the section here is called the Gentile salvation, or the defense of the Gentile salvation. And what is interesting is, is that people don't change. Humans have a condition. I mean, we're just people. People are the same yesterday uh, and in times past as they are today. We may have better technology, but the human condition is the same. And it's interesting to me that the first thing they were concerned about was a violation of a rule. Not that God had visited, not that men and women had gotten saved, not that a new thing was happening, but their focus was on a rule violation. How many times have we seen that in our churches over the years? If you've grown up in church or been around church very long, you've seen this. That we get so bent out of shape sometimes because one of our rules is broken, we miss what God's doing. And that's what was about to happen. And so Peter, in verse 4, it says he began to explain to them step by step. I don't know. I don't know. Again, this is not in the text. But I like to read between the lines sometimes. I wonder... Because we know Peter's personality, how impassioned he was. I wonder if Peter was kind of saying, all right, guys, really? Seriously? Do you not trust me? But step by step, it says in verse 5, I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a trance an object that resembled a large sheet coming down, being lowered by its four corners from heaven, and it came to me. And when I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the reptiles and the birds of the sky. And I also heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or ritually unclean has ever entered my mouth. Now, this is what I was talking about a while ago. This is post-resurrection. This is first century church. They are Jesus' followers. He's, he's come. He's been uh, crucified, buried, resurrected. We're after that. And yet Peter was still following his kosher diet. And so I, I bring that up to say this. It's not wrong. I have some very dear friends of mine who are what we what would be termed as Messianic Jewish converts. Um, they practice the Jewish faith, but they are Messianic in that they believe Jesus is the Messiah and they engage in some of the worship of the Old Testament, um, but with the context of Jesus being the Messiah, much the same as Peter did. And you can go different ways on both of, on that and, you know, and, and get too legalistic on that. And, and you can also dismiss it too much. There's a lot to be learned in the Jewish customs. But my point is this. Peter had continued in his Jewish ways because he was a Jew. And he was not wrong in doing so. But we know that because he said, none of these unclean meats have come to my mouth. Not that he wasn't free to do it, but he just didn't do it. He said, this is a line I've drawn in the sand and I haven't crossed it. So I can't eat it. I'm a, I'm a good Jew, he said. Verse 9. 
But a voice answered from heaven a second time. What God has made clean, you must not call impure. Now remember, he's, he's rehearsing this. Verse 10. Now this happened three times, and everything was drawn up again into heaven. And at that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. And the Spirit told me to accompany them without doubts. And I want to stop for just this, or with doubts at all. Now, a couple of things I want to pull out of that one little phrase. Number one, the Spirit told me. That's what Peter said. I said this, I believe, one of the first times I was here uh, on Sunday morning. I want the kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit that when something, the Lord needs me to do something, the Spirit can speak to me and I know it and I can obey it. Um, I think the Spirit speaks a lot of times in that still small voice. We're just not always attuned to hearing it. I want to be like the apostles who, when the Spirit spoke, they knew his voice. And we're going to see that in these next couple of chapters that we'll be going through um, a lot. And, and these guys were just accustomed to and equipped to doing it. So he heard the Spirit, and the Spirit told him to accompany them without any doubts at all. Now, why do you think the Spirit told him, I want you to go, but don't have any doubts? Because he's a good Jew. I've not eaten anything clean, which also meant he had not, fraternized, he had not been fraternizing with Gentiles. And these Gentile cats were going to show up and say, come with us. And I promise you, in Peter's flesh and in his mind, he's going to be this, he would have the same reaction to those men that he had to the sheet that came down from heaven. Lord, I can't do that. I'm a good Jew. These men said, Peter, come with us. His first inclination would be, I can't do that. I'm a Jew. I can't. And remember, back when he got there, he actually said that to those people. It's not a good, you know, I'm not normally supposed to be here, but the spirits had come, so I came. It says, these six brothers also accompanied me, and we went into the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and call for Simon, who is also named Peter, and he will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. Now, again, I, I, I even jotted this down in my Bible in the margin. I would encourage you to do that, by the way. If you're not a Bible marker, uh, you, you, I encourage you to give you full permission to write in your Bible, underline, circle, highlight, he was already, he being Cornelius, already a devout man. He was a good man. He was doing good, righteous deeds to the point that they were recognized by God. He said, I see them. And he prayed. And to the point that God recognized and honored his prayer. And yet, according to this text and according to what the angel said, Peter's got a message and that message is the mechanism by which you will be saved. That's why it's so important to preach the gospel. Because even good, devout, prayerful, righteous, generous people need to hear the gospel. Because there's power in the gospel. The Bible says, unto our salvation. It is what gives us the power to become the sons of God. It's the gospel. And the gospel's not just for the lost. The gospel's for you and me that are saved. It's the continuing good news that God doesn't just save us in a moment of time, but it's a continual thing. The Apostle Paul said, I am being saved. And so Cornelius was coming to faith, I believe, all of this time. But the angel told him, go get Peter because he's got a message for you by which you'll be saved. And then, in verse 15, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them. 
just as on us at the beginning. Now that's key. We, we talked about that a few minutes ago because he said the same thing earlier in the text. What was the beginning? You remember Acts chapter 2. We call it Pentecost. Peter spoke. The Spirit fell. People performed miracles, heard in their own tongues, spoken tongues, those sorts of things. It was, it was the moment, the rushing mighty wind that came, and it sat on them as cloven tongues of fire. And that's the power that came at, at, at Acts 2. What Peter says in this text is important. The Holy Spirit came down on them just as on us at the beginning. Peter was already beginning to draw some similitude between the two groups. He was already crossing those lines because he'd seen it. And now he was bearing witness of it. And then it wasn't like a secondary uh, visitation of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a lesser than visitation of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't an also ran visitation of the Holy Spirit. It was the same as happened to us at the beginning, he said in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. And he says, I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's like, and, and you know, isn't that funny how some things will happen, something will come along, and it, it prompts you to remember a text or a word or something the Lord has told you? And he said, I remembered when, when this happened, I remembered God saying that John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And he's beginning to put these pieces together. He's beginning to, to put the puzzle together. I, I love watching his wheels turn. And I love watching him put it together. And then in verse 17 it says, If then God gave them the same gift that he also gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly hinder God? Let me camp here for just a second. I said this on Sunday and I'm going to keep beating this drum as long as I have a drum to beat. He's saying here, what difference do they have from us? They have the same gift. They've been saved like us. They've been gifted the Holy Spirit just like us. They're no different than us. Certainly, their daily routines were different. Certainly, their background was different. Certainly, their level of knowledge was different. After all, they were Gentiles. They were not Jews. They did not grow up under the oracles of God, learning them like the young Jewish boys and girls would have. They didn't. How much more today do we need to take this text and apply it to those that don't have the same background as us? They probably didn't grow up like us all the time. Not everybody grows up in the church. They may be very different than us in their daily routine. But if they receive the gospel and receive the Spirit of God... They're just like us. And what Peter said was, how can I hinder what God is doing? That's why I say when I talk about this text that they had to go back and have a meeting to see whether or not God could do what God did because the circumcision party was all bent out of shape because he went to the Gentiles. But Peter said, how can I hinder? And it's not the question. Let me spin it for you a little bit. It's not that he's saying, why would I hinder God? No, he's saying, how could I stop it? Remember, we've been talking about the church, that this thing can't be stopped. This is greater than you, greater than me, greater than us. And yet it is us. And he was saying here, God visited the Spirit. I didn't do it. How could I hinder him? And then in verse 18, and we'll wrap it up. Look at my time a little bit. He said, when he heard this, they became silent. Now, let me just say something real quick about this. Paint the picture. Peter 
is in front of the council, as it were, a group of people. And they started off the meeting with, why'd you go to the Gentiles' house? I can't believe you went and ate with them. And then he tells the story all over again of what happened. And bookends it with, how can I hinder God? God did it. And they became silent. James would tell us it's good to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I'm not incredibly fond of that verse because I like to be quick to speak. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a quick speaker. And it is a discipline. I have to smack myself and say, nope, you got to stop. You got to stop talking. I have a beautiful wife that tells me, Matt, you don't always need to engage. Matt, you need to, this is not yours to speak into. And so I have to really take that verse to heart. When they were challenged and they began to hear the word, they were silent. They, I, I think they were being contemplative. I think they were, were contemplating and thinking about what, what is it that I'm hearing. But then it says this, and they glorified God. Now, let's contrast that to what sometimes we see in our own culture. Something miraculous happened, something we didn't expect. I mean, in this case, it, that something was that the Jews... Uh, I mean, the uh, Gentiles had come to faith. They had received the Holy Spirit just like the Jews. Something totally unexpected. So what do we do when that happens? A lot of times we, um, we uh, glorify a man for bringing the message. We glorify a church for being in the right place at the right time. Or we glorify a ministry and I understand that we want to pat each other on the back, but what happened in this council was they glorified God by saying, so then God has given repentance resulting in life even to the Gentiles. Now, there's a couple of things in that statement we got to pull out. They glorified God by saying, God has given repentance. Now, there's this interesting thing about repentance. We call each other to repentance all the time. We, uh, we, the Bible talks about if you want to be healed, you confess your sins to one another and, and find healing, both of your soul and, I, and many would teach of your body. Um, but I, my whole point is that there's this idea where we're calling each other into repentance, accountability with one another. I'm saying, hey, brother, you can't live that way. Come into repentance. Come into repentance. And while it sometimes feels and often feels like repentance is something that we choose and we step into and that we see out there to choose and to pick like cherries off a cherry tree and that we want, I want a little repentance and then I want a little According to this text and others, I'll not dig deeply into it tonight. Repentance is something that's granted. I know when we pray with some of my prayer warrior brothers, we, when we get down to pray, one of the things we ask for is that God would grant us repentance. Because what happens with repentance is repentance has to be genuine, has to come from the heart, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have to be convicted of our sin. We have to be convicted that what we're doing is wrong. And if we don't believe that what we're doing is a sin against Almighty God, whatever it may be, or the way that we're living, or just a lack of faith, we need the Spirit of God to grant us the ability to then repent. And repent means to turn away, to stop doing it. It doesn't just mean I'm sorry, it means stop. And how many of us, I know if you're watching this and you're human, you've repented. And I bet you've repented over and over again for the same thing from time to time. I, I have. Because I've never met anybody yet that never struggled. But it's that constant battle 
Um, we always need to be asking God, begging God, God grant me repentance. A couple other things in that last statement. It says that God had given repentance resulting in life. Let me just say to you this evening, it is the repentance that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to repent of our sin that gives us life. If you've ever been caught in the turmoil of residual sin or, or, or just in the turmoil of this life, you know what it means to not feel alive. But when we repent of our sin and we seek after Christ and the Spirit empowers and fills us like He did these guys, then there's life and there's freedom. And I, I look in there in that last little bit and he says, even to the Gentiles. They didn't see, even though the scriptures of old, even though the prophecy said it was going to be to all nations, I don't really know how they processed that, but it seems as if when it went to the Gentiles, everybody was like, we didn't see that coming. I'm like, how did you not see that coming? You know the Old Testament. You've been reading it since you were children. You've memorized most of it when you were a kid of the, of the law. How did you not see this coming? It's easy for me to look back and say that. But it seems to surprise them. Because they thought they were less than dogs. I mean, they were other than. They were just lower people. It rattled these church guys. I want to call them church guys. It rattled the Jews that the Gentiles got saved. And I would submit to you tonight that it rattles some of us when God works in and uses some of the people that he uses. It rattles us sometimes when God uses us because we know us. And we know those thoughts that the movie says we don't like to talk about at parties. We know those desires of heart that we don't share with anybody that James will say, will, will say bring sin to fruition and then ultimately destruction. We know the inner workings of our soul. What's amazing to me is so does he and he still loves us and he still gives us the spirit and he still saves us and he still grants us that repentance unto life. And the fact that it came to Gentiles is encouraging to me because I are one, as the old preacher said. I'm a Gentile. Most of you, I'm sure, are Gentiles as well. Next week, we'll jump into the second half, and we're going to talk about Antioch. And we're going to talk about um, how the, the church begins to grow because of persecution. I like this next part, and I'm excited about it for this reason. He's going to tell a story of how the persecution started with the martyrdom of Stephen. And that's important because, um, as I read from someone today, um, an article, it said that they don't, you know, it doesn't look like uh, being a Christian is going to get any easier. Um, if you're watching the news, whether you believe it's real or fake, doesn't matter to me. But if you're an observer of the world around you and a discerner of the times, as the Bible would say, um, it's becoming more and more and increasingly difficult to stand on our beliefs and to be what this Bible calls us to be without feeling some sort of persecution. But I want to encourage you that in Jerusalem when that started to happen, that's when the church grew. Don't be disheartened because life comes through repentance even to us Gentiles. And in that life is freedom even if we're being persecuted. I'm so thankful for you all joining us tonight. Um, I look forward to seeing you face to face on Sunday. We'll still be doing a live stream on Sunday. Um, for those of you who either can't or don't feel comfortable yet joining the live, the, the in-person service, 
We'll still be on here. We'll have the worship team ready to go. It'll be on the live stream as well. We'll have our slides and everything. And so just be sure to join in either in person or right here on Facebook. Um, and soon we'll be do doing this also on YouTube. I want to thank you to the tech crew there at the First Baptist Church of Fruitvale um, that has helped us on Sundays to doing the sound and things. And they're going to be really um, uh, on task this week. And so be in prayer, get prayed up, be ready. Bring your Bible, something to write with and something to write on. And I really look forward to seeing you come Sunday. Y'all have a blessed evening.